for nearly all of his adult life. If somebody asked Southland man Michael Kingpotiki to read something out, he'd tell them he didn't have his glasses handy. The truth was Michael didn't know how to read or write, something he harboured deep shame over and went to great lengths to hide. But when in his late 50s he realised he might never get the chance to read to his grandchildren, he reached out for help. Kuiper-based retired teacher Linda Davies, who volunteered for the Rural Youth and Adult Literacy Trust, took the farm manager under her wing. Three years and countless Zoom sessions later, Michael's written a book, A Journey Towards Literacy, a self-published biography which he will share with his family. Michael explains that he did ask for help with reading while at school of a teacher. Yeah, it's been the age of 12. Um, I was watching everybody else read in the classroom. I, uh, I just wanted to do the same. And I went to, up to the certain teacher and I said, could you teach me to read? He just said to me, sorry, Michael, it's too late. You're too old now. So that put a damper on my um, my whole life, really. And I just grew up thinking well, I'm not meant to read. So I didn't learn to read. Do you still remember that moment he said those words? Oh, yes, yes, yes. You don't forget things like that. That's why, that's why I remember right to this day. What was the feeling in a 12-year-old who wanted... Rather old, pretty shocking, pretty, pretty... You felt useless, you know, you know well, I'm, I'm that dumb, I can't be taught. Yeah, well, you would be, you know, you just felt, you know, OK, I'm, I'm not that... I'm not that bright, and so I can't be that bright to teach. So you grow up that way. Grew all my life thinking about that and feeling that way. You left school at 14, and, and, you know, how did you cope? You you found ways, in fact, not just to cope, but to hide the fact you couldn't read. Can you tell us more of what you tell people? Uh, I told a little white lies. And the book book is only um, a book I wrote for my for my family to tell them that my life story, how I coped, how I did. But what I told people growing up, um, well, could you read it for me? I haven't, you know, I got, I haven't got my glasses on me. There's another, you know, we might lie. Or I've got people's papers that brought home and my family would read it to me, like my brother would read it to me. Um, yeah, I coped in the ways that um, a person who can't read, you find different ways to... You do things. You really do. What did it mean for your working life? And again, were you too, you know, were you too worried about that to say to the boss, "Hey, look, did you did you hide it in work, especially?" Yes, I picked jobs that there's there's no reading. I all my life, I things I wanted to do, I couldn't do. So I picked jobs that yeah, I play for a job that okay, not much reading in this. Um, so I play for it, and I got the jobs. Not many jobs I didn't go for, I didn't get. Um, so I worked for them, and I, yeah, I took paperwork home to my family before I started in a relationship with my wife now, and um, I coped that way. And yeah, what were you working? I know um, farm work was um, uh, farm work's been very prominent, part. but what what were the other jobs? I've I've worked and. Um, uh, uh, the fishing industry, prey fishing. I wrote, yeah, just jobs like this and forestry. Um, working with heavy machinery like uh, tractor driving, um, ploughing, uh, working up paddocks, 
you know, as, I, as, as I grown up, learning different skills I needed in, in what I wanted to do, like farming. I and mean, I came full-time farming, you know, learning with contractors how to work tractors. It helped me right through my whole farming career. Even something like learning to drive. I think your younger brother read the road code until you basically no, memorised it, did you? He wasn't my, he wasn't my younger brother. He was a brother older than me. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. And, and so did you basically memorise the road code? I memorised the road code and, uh, yeah, wrote to the road and I got my licence. And, and I went for my motorbike licence the day after, or the same day, no, the same day, and got that too. So you've got a strong memory because no one works on a farm without a heck of a lot of... You know, training knowledge, and education and health knowledge. and safety. Yeah, knowledge. Knowledge. It's coming down to knowledge of what you can do and what you can't do. Did it make day-to-day life difficult, however, practically difficult? You're a farm manager, and as we said, that's got plenty of paperwork. It's got a lot of paperwork and a lot of memory that I had to um, copy down or tell my wife that uh, this is going to happen, this is... This is, this is a meeting with this people and I've got to do this and got to do that. But people told me, you know, and people, the people used to um, own the farm used to tell me, like, hey, can you remember that? Yep. Do I need to write it down for you? No. Or do you want to write it down? I said, no, I can do it myself. And I remembered every word for word. Look, you are far from alone. Far, far from alone is someone who um, missed out on, 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 on this fundamental right, really. But um, you know, at the at, at the time, how how did you think and feel about it? Was it just was it just get on with things, or was there a bit of a sense of um, you know what what were the feelings of of successfully going through life, but without the skill that you wanted? As you said to your teacher, I want to learn to read. I didn't know any better. I didn't know anywhere else to survive is and just do the job. You know. I've I worked for a lot of people, and uh, matter of fact, uh, um, my, my old boss's wife rang me last night and congratulated me hmm. on my um, on my article in the paper. And she said to me, well, "Why didn't you tell me that you couldn't read? I could have helped you, but it was my pride." So going through life not reading and writing, I didn't know you, I had to survive the way I could. So you told white lies, so you cope doing things. You worked harder than anybody else because if the boss found out you couldn't read or write, in your mind, they say, well, this, sorry, this job's not for you and you can't, you can't be here anymore. You're a liability. And it's always on your mind. So you worked hard than anybody else to cope that, oh, the boss won't get me if I'm a, I'm a good worker. You understand what I mean? It's stressful. It feels really stressful. It's um, stressful, but you had to do it. I I had to do it. What changed your mindset? Uh, in in your in your fifties, wasn't it? Well, in, well into your fifties. Uh, um, Fifty-seven. Fifty-seven. What what changed your mindset then? Changed my mind. Well, listen, we had the grandchildren at our house, and the kids asked me, uh, asked Margaret, my wife, if they could get a story read to them. Indeed. And they asked me to come with them, you know, read, they sat with us, read the story, and they asked, asked am I reading my story? So the kids are looking at my wife like, you know, every word mattered to them. And that was a big eye-opener for me that, hey, 
I want that look in their eyes looking at me. Do you understand that? Totally. Okay. And I want to just do the same thing. And that's the reason I wanted to read and you know, I found a lady like Linda to help me. How were you, um, how did you take the first steps? Who did you talk to first First of all? Uh, I got contacted with the Literary Association of New Zealand and they they passed me on to Linda and uh, it was a uh, journey that um, I had to take and I had to put my, arm up, my hand up and say, listen, I can't read, I need help. And um, I said to the people in the Literary Society that um, I need a person that won't treat me like a child and it was the biggest thing in my fear is getting treated like a child and a person who at my age, getting spoke to you like a child, if you understand it like a child, it downgrades you and you probably wouldn't do it. But I found Linda that she didn't do that to me. And it was half my fears over and done with there and then. And that was, that was a big step for me. Was this all happening on Zoom? How did you two sort of connect and get to know each other, Michael? On Google. On Google. On Google, yeah. On Google. And we we spent the first probably four probably four sessions with us doing nothing. We just talked to get to know each other. And um, after a while, after we lessons started, I got more and more, more into it. And we were doing down to four days a week, sometimes five days a week. And it was getting really, really, really good. And um, yeah, it's, it's, still, it's still a challenge to me today. But yeah, I feel so much better in myself. And it's good to read things off off, off the computer now, um, on the newspaper. I read my own article last night on Otago Times. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and you've forgotten the most important thing. Who else do you read with? Oh, my grandchildren. But... <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, it's a confidence I want to get more uh, uh, to read to my grandchildren. I've got a confidence. I want to make a story sound like a story. Mm. And learning, I'm starting to learn that with Linda. And she's been a, a, a lady that, oh, if I could send her a medal, I would. Let's bring her in. Uh, thank you, Michael. Please stay with us. Linda Davies uh, has worked with Michael on his reading journey. And Linda, um, first, can you just explain a little bit more? You're involved with the Rural Youth and Adult Literacy Trust. So um, what's the work that you do? And, and, and you know, how are you connected with um, people like Michael who are finally getting their chance to, to, to learn to read? Um, I volunteered oh, some years back to be a coach with the, with rural um, and adult literacy, um, and I was I've, I've had a number of students, but I've never had a student like Michael who's actually said yes, they really want to read, and they're going to be there when we're online. When it's going to be together at twelve o'clock, he's there waiting, ready to go, and it's just uh, it's been amazing. It's been a great journey. What was your own background? Were you a teacher at all or um, came from yeah. a different background but have learned the sort of the, the building blocks of teaching um, learn, teaching reading? Um, I, I trained as a um, primary school teacher when I was 49. I did a postgrad uh, in teaching. Um, so I, I didn't teach for very long, but um, I 
my strong interest was I was never a very good speller. And so I knew how Michael felt. I was very self-confident. Minute, uh, had poor self-confidence when it came to writing anything on the board that I couldn't spell quickly. And so I understood how Michael felt about not being able to read. So um, we sort of hit it off because I had something that bothered me and he had something that bothered him. And together we just worked really well. That confidence is interesting, isn't it? There's so many assumptions that surround uh, learning anything. And we all learn differently. Um, And, you know, those early moments in school can really, someone just wants to hide. I'm not saying, Michael, this was your situation, but this is what we need to be careful with. That confidence as a learner thing is so important. And you had a confident man in front of you. And what did he tell you about what, what was how this was going to go? Uh, Linda, what, what were your early impressions? Oh, somewhere. Well, he came after a very bad um, thing. And then to have the, Michael come along and really willing to learn. I really want to learn. I really want to root to my, my grandchildren. And we've... Um, we worked from that, looking at um, things that children like to read, but making sure that all the, the books that um, we used school journals and we use always use non-fiction stories because they are appropriate for adults. And we're, Michael just found them easy to read and entertaining. So had you just about been ready to give up on this before, Michael? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Wendy, the, um, there is the admin, admin person said to me, oh, no, look, no, no, I'm sure he's going to be great. And I said, all right, I, this time, but this is the last. How did she because, find him? As we said, he's a, a confident person, I can hear, but but this is a, this is a sensitivity, isn't it? He was he's a vulnerability. And how did you find him um, when, you first, when you first started chatting? Oh, he was very nervous. Mm. Uh, and, and he had... He, he felt shame about um, not being able to read. And that's what I said to him. Well, look, I'm a school teacher who finds it hard to spell. There's no shame in not being able to read. The shame should be the teacher who didn't, any teacher who doesn't take the time to help them help a child that wants to read. What's the process? As Michael said, this is an adult. Um, and so what's the process that you use with adult learn to readers? Can you give us some idea? Well, with with the students I've had, I've tried to um, work from what 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 they know, what they what they do know, what they um, what they can do, and and sort of start building on on their knowledge because when you're working with adult students, they've got a lot of um, knowledge. Which it can interfere with it with your um, reading, because when you look at a word and you think it starts with an X, so it must be exit. So you um, you try to build on on what they already know. Um, Michael can probably tell you better. Go ahead, Michael. What what was you know what's your memory of of the of the building blocks that got you there? Where I am today, building blocks is putting the words together that was right in front of my face to realise, oh, that's how you read it. 
and Linda brought that out and showed me. It's not that it's, it's hard to remember, but it's there, and I just like sometimes, you know, the word sometimes, some, and time, it's two words and one. It's just a sample for you, but it, it just built from there, and it's it's. It's amazing how she does it to me that I could understand and break break the words down to valves to bring the word out to me. That's interesting. So you've got a lot, obviously, a ton more knowledge than a child learning to read. And so that's what Linda was explaining. Yeah. She would take what you would recognise, recognise in meaning, um, and then you gradually put the pieces together. Yeah, to get the confidence that what I was reading was correct. How quickly did it happen, Michael? Was that four Zooms a week I'm reading on top of all the work and everything else you've got going on in life? It's happened, it's happened over well, the last three years. Mm. And it's, it's still happened today. I'm still giving lessons from Linda. And um, I'll, all, all, I think until I, that day stops, I think, you know, um, I'll be sad. Because, um, <laughs> Linda, Linda will be to be sorely missed if anything happened to me or her this would, would stop this What's working with Michael meant to you Linda beyond you know helping him and the warm feeling of helping someone oh. with this precious gift what does he mean to you what's you know oh. this has been a two way street hasn't it Oh definitely um, in retirement you um, you have a new life and this new life doesn't have a lot of um Input being a coach and being able to help someone is really great, and the achievement that that he's made is just magic. You know, uh, sometimes we would read something and we would get only have one or two mistakes in it, and it was just yeah, we're getting there. You know, sometimes it was a bit of a struggle, but boy, some of the days when it went well, it was just great. You know, you, you feel so good. It's a a very rewarding thing to do. Michael, you've written a it. book, A Journey Towards Literacy. Um, it's it's 20 pages. It's not, you know, not the, the, not no, the longest not book in the world. But, but tell me that of that experience, please. It's, it's an experience that putting my thoughts onto paper mm. and writing, writing on a piece of paper and, and then typing that to Linda getting read further because I got no copy machine so I couldn't do that that way and Linda going through them and I had that 10 or 15 pages a day I was writing down <laughs> and and she said no you said this twice now you can't have that not these are full stops these are, you know yeah and uh, no you said this you said that too many times now that that this is that no, you can't do that <laughs> She's a no, tough editor. She was my editor, yeah. And it was a, it's a journey, but I loved it. And um, It was fun. It was fun. It really was fun. And um, yeah, I've, I've started a new book, but yeah, it's a, it's a fair way away just now. Could you ever have imagined writing your life story? Hell That's no. what it is. Could you ever have Hell imagined no. it? Hell no. No, it was furthest from my mind. It really was. It was, it still is like a dream to me. And if anybody out there who wants to read and write, you know, just tell them to take the first step. And it's your pride holding you back more than anything else. It really is. 
What was the reaction when you went public with the story? And oh, that was my that was by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean to get out that way out then because where I work now, I worked with a turf team in, in Vicargo and a bunch of good guys, and um, they don't know, but they do know now. <laughs> <laughs> and what have I people just, said about it? Came, oh, they've been fantastic. I have, I have um, um, emails from United States, England, BBC in England has contacted me. They want to interview me, BBC, I should say, and they want to contact me and have an interview with me. Um, I have um, emails from um, Cook Islands saying, well done, Michael, I wish we could meet you. So, yeah. Yes, it's, 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 I'm, I'm, I feel very, very humble. Yeah. But also the impact of this for someone who's um, been through a similar experience, was going through a similar experience. I mean, Linda, do you want to pick up on that? Just just listening to you, the motivation's vital to this, right? Just listening from what you yeah. were suggesting with others you've worked with. Um, yeah. And, and yes. how empowering for, for people to listen and see what's possible and for you too to show what's possible. Yeah, it's um, to to oh, just uh, to have someone, to have a student uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> to have a student that's willing, that that will you know um, that will keep trying, that will turn up um, that that wants to read. Uh, I, I mean, sorry. Go ahead. Finish your thought. No, well, it's just that it's hard to explain that. I mean, it took. I just. I admired his courage to come and say that you know he couldn't read at that age. Most of the students I had could read a bit. Michael couldn't, and and I thought you know what a what courage and how brave is he to go and do that um, and to be put with someone he didn't know and to be put with a, a, an old school teacher too when school teachers hadn't treated him very well you know and I was just amazed by the courage that he that he had Michael yeah. you've said it already to those who might be in the same situation and think it's too late but just say it uh, again, especially about that first step, which is almost always the hardest, isn't it? It is the hardest thing you'll do in your life. It really is. To get the embarrassment out of your mind, that's the next thing, embarrassment that you can't read or write and tell somebody that um, is the hardest thing. When I first told my kids I couldn't read or write, they were in, at the age of 12 and 13. And they said to me, Dad, it's all right. So I still didn't learn back then either. <laughs> but my embarrassment my, my went on to, to the age of about 57. And I've had to do something to my... I had to change the way I was doing and I want to do things for my family. So the best, best idea I ever, ever had in my whole life is taking that first step. 